smart. Enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Be People Smart podcast. I'm Jodie Greer and I am the founder of Be People Smart. I am thrilled today to be joined by an amazing guest speaker, uh, Robert Chelsea. So uh, before we go into what myths we're busting, I'll get Robert to say hello and introduce himself. Robert. Hello, my name is Robert Chelsea. I am a face transplant recipient. That's absolutely fascinating. So we're definitely going to talk about the fact Robert's had a face transplant. Um, Talking of transplants, so the two myths that we want to bust today are that organ donation is all about internal organs and that if you have a health condition, you can't be an organ donor. So there are two myths we'll be busting and we're going to cover quite a lot. And I'm sure you'll agree with me by the end of this that Robert is a fascinating individual. So, Robert, to make it clear for people, because now I'm sure they're already wondering, like, I wonder why he had a face transplant. Can you share a bit about your experience, you know, the accident that um, occurred and what the result in effects were on you? Yes, uh, I was on a uh, Los Angeles freeway and unfortunately uh, my car overheated. I went to the shoulder of the freeway and after calling a friend of mine to see if he could come and, you know, help me out. It's around 10 o'clock at night. Uh, I noticed a, a car swerving across the freeway lanes and it, he landed right on the shoulder of the freeway and ran straight into me. My car went up in the air and when it came down, it, it blew up. It, came, it blew up about three or four seconds after it Came down. I thought that was the end of it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the car blew up. So, uh, of course, uh, everything's on fire. And it seemed like I was led to go to the left, which was the driver's side where I was, and, and, and go out that way. And I did. Uh, felt like I was in a long tunnel of fire. As I was approaching to get out, a good Samaritan named Richard Robus came and helped me out the car and guided me to a safe place. As a matter of fact, Jody, when he started trying to help me, he said he tried to take my arm when my arm was melting. So he had to take a belt buckle and, and kind of uh, 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 guide me over to a safer area, because the cars are still flying right behind. We're on the freeway. I've got to be honest, listening to what you went through is making my toes curl up because the thought of having to go through that. But also, this guy sounds like such a really nice man. I mean, he stopped and he helped. Oh, yeah. He and his whole family are are very nice. Since met them, we've become very close friends. And they've come... uh, Richard... Would not have, he's a good Samaritan to come and help uh, when he sees, when he, you know, when you see an accident, you try to help, help out. Not only did he do that, but uh, after the ambulance took me, by the way, I, I fell into a coma. As soon as I got in the gurney, uh, 
on the ambulance, I fell into a coma and didn't wake up until six months later. But all this time, Richard followed the ambulance. I, I found out later. He followed the ambulance so he knew where I was. And then they sent, the, the, the hospital sent me to the brain center. He was there. He let my, uh, well, my family know what was going on. And he came back several times. Even after uh, the courts and, you know, the, 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 the drunk driver, he's the one that hit me. And he, uh, he was out of the courtroom as well. So Richard, he's just been uh, such a dear, 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 dear friend. Uh, I lived about 80, no, almost 90 miles away once I did get discharged after, by the way, a year and a half in the hospital. He and his daughters, two daughters, came up to visit me. And since then, of course, uh, his wife and other uh, and kids, they come to church at, at the, you know, a couple of times uh, at a church. And in other words, it's just been a wonderful experience knowing them. What, what a wonderful, wonderful man. Now, talking about yeah. the experience, my first question's got to be, how did it feel to wake up and be told it was six months later? Uh, it took about three weeks for me to realize it because during that six-month period, I was very comfortable uh, in my journey because this would, you know, I realized that whatever it was, was as real as you and I are today. And I had a friend. I can't describe any color uh, or 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 uh, any other particulars other than this friend. I trusted him, and we discussed things all the time. And he would assure me that my daughter was okay and that the family was all right. And I would see individuals pretty soon because I, you know, I would ask him, "Well, have you seen so and so? You see." How's it? And he would he would just kind of give me uh, answer my questions in such a way that I knew he was on top of it. He he just took care of everything for me, and uh, uh, so we journeyed all day, all night, as much as I can recall. And so when I did wake up, the only way I knew was nurses and doctors and family and everyone's coming around. You know, oh, the miracle man, he's awake and he, you know, they're telling me all about myself and what what uh, they went through all this time and that I was coded uh, blue several times. And, uh, you know, I didn't know. I, I thought, when I got on the gurney uh, with the ambulance, I thought I would just get checked out. And somebody would come and pick me up. I had no idea that I was burned from top to bottom. I felt a few uh, burn spots, like my lips, they were burned off. But I didn't realize that. I just felt, you know, sort of burn spots. And I knew I was, my tongue must have caught onto some gasoline or something because I tried to spit the gasoline out. And it turns out that my tongue was also, uh, the tip of my tongue was burned burned off as well. But I didn't know that. Uh, so when I got out of the coma and, 
and they're all trying to convince me that I was in a coma and, and it, you know, it wasn't real. I knew it was real because, <laughs> you know, I was there. Uh, and and, and uh, uh, I couldn't talk for about three weeks, you know, none of my muscles were used all, the, all for six months. So I couldn't move my mouth or anything like that. I had to just give sign, try to explain this. And, and then they gave me a chalk, a little support, a little, kind of like a chalkboard. And I could grab my hands. My hands, by the way, are cadaver skin. They had, uh, during all the surgeries, they had put cadaver skin on my hands because they had burned up. So my hands were stiff, so I couldn't hardly write. <laughs> oh, it was a mess. It, it wasn't a bad mess. It was just an, a, 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 an opening or an introduction to just a, a new discovery of uh, hand-eye coordination. Yeah. It was, yeah, I couldn't speak, so I had to make other adjustments. And I wanted to express myself in, in, in so many jubilant ways, but I couldn't because I was all strapped down, tied down, and, and everything. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's been quite an experience. Uh, what an eye-opening experience to, to, to actually see and feel uh, what hospitalization, the benefits, the treatment, services, uh, and also the people that you can meet, interact, and become friends with as a result of being there. So I knew their birth, birthdays, their vacation. I knew the names of the kids, uh, you know, when they were going on holidays. Because you're there 24 hours a day through holidays, through weekends, through uh, vacation time, through uh, uh everything, you know, so events, they tell you about different events, you know, so it, 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 overall, it was not, uh, if I put it in a, a nutshell, it was not a bad experience for me. The outside, the external uh, vision uh, was obviously uh, horrific to uh, friends, loved ones, family, and strangers, because I was burned from top to bottom, and still am. It's, it's my face that has been covered as a result of all the burns and not having any lips. So that's why we had the uh, face transplant. And we're definitely going to come back to that. I need to ask you first, though, like, you, you amaze me with your positive outlook not just on life, but even on what happened. And I don't think a lot of people often come across that way when they've been through something that can be actually really horrific as well. But you you seem to take a lot of positivity from it. And uh, yeah, that just amazes me. Well, that's nice that, that you can see it that way. But there was, I don't see too much. When you take things day by day, what? What has been your worst day? Or was it a worst day or was it a worst hour or two? So uh, it's not that that we are able to automatically 
compartmentalize our days or activities or things that happen to us. Uh, when you get the news, sad news, it's sad, it could be for an hour, uh, but at the most an hour or two. Sad news. And, and then it kind of lightens up, some kind of way, it lightens up. So uh, when you look at it overall, it's not so bad. When the next day, it's not so bad. So that's kind of how I have seen to process things, not on purpose, but God seems to have made provisions so I did not see or feel uh, or regret the incident. Uh, there was no reason for me to hold uh, a, a degree of anger. Was it very inconvenient at the time? <laughs> well, of course. I mean, I felt heat and, uh, you know, and my car's all messed up and whatever. But he, some kind of way, provides a peace that is, the term, I guess, is indescribable. When a person gets falls in love, no matter who that individual is, you cannot, the other person can't justify, why do you love that person so much? What is it about them? Well, <laughs> just think of our Heavenly Father. How could I describe what, what is about him? There's so many ways. And so he just used one of his wonderful ways to comfort me and uh, provide a joy that I not only don't regret, but want much, much more of. It has far exceeded any experiences that I have had thus far. And knowing this, there's a much greater future ahead. So how could I not uh, be uh, appreciative of what I've gone through, knowing that there's a much greater future ahead? I mean, I, I love your outlook, and I'd like to think I could have some of that in your position I honestly don't know if I could but what I do need to say is because I'll be honest this I don't think I could achieve you hold no animosity do you against the drunk driver that hit you well no I, I mean if you felt this good would you I don't know I'd like to feel like that I just don't know if I could do it you you felt the, you know Bill Withers sang a song oh. it, it, if loving me feels this good, use me until you use me up. <laughs> well, I mean, he, uh, David said, I walked the valleys of South and I fear no evil. Well, how could you not? It's natural to feel evil. But he said, Thou art with me. And he, his rod and staff comforted me. He prepared a table. And I, I couldn't have prepared that table. Seven course meal. I go into the valley of darkness and discover there's lilies in the valley. So how can I concentrate on a knucklehead 
uh, uh, you know, causing a, as a result of what he was a part of, I had a greater benefits. I never would have known this joy. Not only that, but uh, what the guy was involved in was an accident. It's uh, why make it more than that? A dog bites you, the dog bit you. It, it, that's what dogs do. Now, how long will you be angry with that dog? Even if you had to get a toughness shot or you had to, you know, it was a bad bite and all that. I mean, even if they had to take the dog away, how long would you hold a grudge on that same dog, no matter what happened? And not only that, but God allowed me to, he could have let the car swerve around me and not hit me at all. But he, 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 he let Daniel go into the lion's den. Daniel didn't do anything to deserve it, so to speak. We all have sinned, but nevertheless, Daniel didn't deserve being thrown in the lion's den. But did he come out complaining? No, because I think he had a singular joy that I have experienced. You know, I, I, I do. I love, I love your attitude. And something I think is really important for our listeners to hear, something else I was amazed by, is how much pain you were in through this. Well, you know, uh, uh, how long has this pain really last? Some things kind of go on and on, but some things are so sharp at the time. And once it's over, you're so relieved of that particular pain, uh, you know, you can go on with your life. But this kind of comfort wasn't just for a moment. Your heavenly father, your natural father doesn't love you for a moment, does he? (laughs) You can go right back to him right now. And he'll still give you the same love, same joy, whatever he has for you. And you go back later on this evening, the same thing will happen. And so if dad can keep that up to love you that way, and mom can continue to love you that way, how much more is our Heavenly Father able to comfort us? I have to say, when you told me you felt no pain, that's one of the things that I was just mesmerised by. And talking about mesmerised, as you know, um, and we're going to go on to your face transplant, I, I was amazed at that purely because I didn't even know that was an option but before we talk about that I didn't realize about your hands so they took skin did you say from cadavers yes that's why it's important to uh for individuals to donate their organs sign up become a donor because they could not wait to ask somebody well who's going to get their hands they had to have them already, the researchers, the scientists, they had, the students, they had to have these things available to them. And so that's what uh, they, they put on cadaver skin. If I could show you my arms and you'd see that the, the complexion of my skin, uh, natural skin, 
is different than this cadaver's Even my hands, the nails, they're growing differently than they did than in my normal. So that's apparently they put that on immediately because when you're burned, all your fluids are, are absorbed uh, and out your body. Nothing holds uh, because you know all your uh, nerve endings are, are, are seared uh, so that you can't feel anything, nor will they will they ever regenerate either. So they have to do something to cover so that they can put more fluids in and it will hold. Only way they can do that is to cover them with, uh, I should say the only way, but what they did was use cadaver skin for me. So I have actually two different uh, uh, donors. Uh, one has my, uh, received my face, which was about three years ago, and uh, the first cadaver skin was during the accident, which was about nine years ago. So do, August, you, still, August, do, you, do you still have touch sensation for your hands? Uh, yes, I have. I can't grip very well, and and my surface is slides, so I can't really, you know, I still have occupational therapy because I can't really make this is about the most of a fist I can make. It doesn't, it doesn't go all the way, you know. And so, yeah, and then I had to have some amputations on my toes and fingers as well because they came gangrene as a result of being in a coma so long. And, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, when you're just, in, you're just still for a long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so. Those things happen. Yeah. So now, because you you know I've asked before, but I'm I'm going to ask everything again, and um, it lets everyone else know as well. Yeah. Um, your face transplant. So your face transplant came from someone who was brain dead. Is that correct? Well, typically, uh, the there's only been 47 face transplants uh, accomplished in the world. And the majority of those individuals are, well, most, no, I, I, maybe half and half were brain dead. Some of them were unfortunately people that attempted suicide. Um. And and they may have blown off a portion of their face. Could be their whole eyes. Could be, you know, it just depends on where they stuck the gun or whatever that was used. Um, and they weren't successful. So now they're all messed up. And uh, of course the military has, you know, this, so uh, the donors, uh, if they tried to commit suicide and, and failed, then they may be justified, especially if it's in the face area, to become a, a, a candidate for a face transplant. Mine happened to be because I was all burned. But the donors themselves either brain dead or uh, individuals that 
that uh, that have uh, you know committed suicide, and as a result of that, they can take their organs. You know, it's the parents a lot of the organs and use them. One eye can save eight eyes. Yeah, so, that was a fact I didn't know either. I had no idea that one eye could literally go to eight people. About uh, over 70 people can be saved by uh, the parts of one person's body. Yeah. It would take so many different portions, stem cells, uh, bone marrow, tissue, limbs, that uh, over 70 people can actually be saved or replaced uh, from one body. My nose, my forehead, no, mine is a face transplant, but what I have is, this wasn't my nose. I have another forehead, I have, I have hair. Uh, see, this, this, is, this is where the line is. Yeah, I my, can see. So from all this is the, the, the donors. I, ah. uh, so, so just for the, another... sorry, one second, just for the listeners. Um, so w- the way Robert's hair is, there's literally a clear line ac- uh, on the sort of top of his head across which you can see oh, yeah, where yeah. his head is and where the donor's hair starts, yeah. which is absolutely fascinating. So, I mean, it's been a while now, but... How did you feel after the transplant when you looked into the mirror? You know, did you see you? How, how did how did that feel? Uh, no, I did not see me. I just knew I was carrying, and I, to this very day, I'm looking at uh, another person. My daughter, she can tell you for sure, she's looking at another person. Of course, I sound the same because my cheeks are different. My chin is different. My lips are different. My nose, see. Uh, so there's so much that my eyes, the way my eyes are now, the eyelids, uh, all this was my his. The donor's face was probably a little bit larger than mine. So you know, like even my cheeks now, you know, they're kind of puffy. It's because you know I, I, my cheeks weren't, but. I don't know, maybe they were, but they, you know. <laughs> It just shows how effective it is, because the fact that, you know, within that transplanted skin, you've got hair growth on your head, you've got hair growth on your beard. Um, so, you know, it took really well. Was there concerns that that could be a risk? Oh, major risk, yeah. Uh, that's why it's important that every ethnic group be aware and encouraged to participate, because... Uh, I mean, obviously, especially African Americans, we are the only group, uh, ethnic group, that has a variation of colors, shades. And it was determined that we had close to 18 different shades of African American, from very, very light, of course, to very dark. And as a result of that, it, it it uh, was a challenge to find a donor uh, as well as our population being much smaller than Caucasians uh, or Asian, or not Asians or Hispanic. Well, yeah, we're smaller than 
Hispanic in the, in the, in the U.S. So to find a, a face, uh, African-American face, it, 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 it could be a challenge. And of course, the differences in blood makeup, the hemoglobins and things like that. So uh, stem cells, certain stem cells can replace sickle cell. So without others donating, you don't have the resources or the, tech or, or the uh, 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 donors to help another family. You know, they don't have to die because of that. Because it, it is important. Uh, you mentioned a couple of myths. And one of them is, if you're ill, for example, can you still? Yes, you can. Who knows what uh, the doctors can do? Uh, that is, if, 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 if uh, you had that individual passes away, what about the, the cadaver scan or the limb itself? As we get more involved, you'll see uh, there's people that have a lot of things have been replaced that you'd never know, you know especially their hands, ankles, legs, uh, uh, arms, and, and so on. So, yes, uh, uh, the, the, the scientists can use a lot of different donated parts uh, of an individual's body. I mean, medical science is amazing and it's always moving on. Um, and I can imagine the thought process people must be going through hearing your story because I've spoken to you before and it still gets me sort of full yeah. of questions. Um, for anyone who is thinking like, oh, I don't know how I'd feel about having somebody else's face. Was there any hesitation for you to have your transplant? There was some hesitation uh, not to have another person's face, but when I got burned in 2013, I didn't have a problem with it. So obviously it's scary to someone else when they see you, you know. You, you all two, three, four, five tone, you know, your shades are all different. Uh, but again, I had this joy superseded any. <laughs> and then what difference does it make? The kind of joy. You know, you could marry the ugliest guy. I mean, everybody, can, the full consensus is that he's the ugliest person. But he makes you feel so wonderful. You can't stay away from him. So that's kind of how I was feeling. And so it didn't really matter, you know, when they did introduce this idea, because for me, I needed to see how I could drink and eat, uh, swallow, spit, gargle, uh, because my, my mouth was open and my teeth were showing, uh, the lips, both lips were off. My gums are showing, so we needed something to cover it, and we couldn't cover it with a mask. A mask, because you you have so much saliva, you know, when you get ready to eat, your saliva immediately comes to kind of moisten the food when you bite it. Well, saliva is just continuing to come, and so you have a mask, you put it on, in seconds, it's already wet. 
I could take it off. I've got another one on. So I just continued to just, you know, live without the mask. And, uh, but I wanted something to cover the gums and the teeth and the t- my tongue, because flies and dust and dirt and uh, gas uh, fumes and everything, you know, goes in. You, know, you can't walk without the stuff going coming. So, so uh, that was a major reason for me considering when it, when it was introduced me, to me uh, to consider that uh, a face transplant would be ideal. Most of the plastic surgeons said they couldn't do nothing for me except put a flap on my lips so they could cover my teeth, you know, just kind of. But then this portion wouldn't be rigid enough to keep my bottom teeth covered. So it just be a flap that I could not control, no, no nerve endings. And remember, because it was burned off, those nerve endings were burned off too. They, they had no way of connecting. So, uh, by God's grace, we were introduced by uh, a plastic surgeon named uh, Dr. Walter Ching at Kaiser Hospital in Montana. And he had a friend who had studied under Dr. Bolden Pomahawk on face transplantation out at Brigham Women's Hospital, Brigham Women's in Boston. You know, as a matter of fact, they're the first transplant hospital in the world. Their first transplant was done in 1959. And so they had led in that area all along. But anyway, so how do you, here's a black guy, only one they ever known that would need a face transplant. There's only been 40 something in the whole world before, and they were all Caucasian. And look what God provided. So Dr. Conwell called me. I decided to go out to Boston with my sister. She came with me and we had a three day evaluation. By the way, the age of having a face transplant the maximum was 50 years old at that time. And uh, I was already about 64. And so, uh, <laughs> but that's how God does things. So that's, that's why I ended up being the first black to have a face transplant. And of course, I'm the oldest in the world as a result of uh, my age. So talking of age, because, of course, your donor may well be a very different age to you. Um, is it literally going to keep you facially younger for longer? How will your face age? Well, the, the uh, age of the donor probably doesn't have much bearing on how long the face will stay. It depends uh, on how well, the, the nerve endings are connected and the blood vessels operate. Uh, without the blood flowing through, then you're going to have discoloration and eventually well, what they commonly refer to as rejection. So 
And that can be for any part, the heart, lung, kidney, whatever. It's because things are not flowing or functioning normally. But so far, uh, they're looking at around 10 years for uh, face transplant, but who knows, you know, uh, how long it will be. And then that, that could mean rejection, or it could mean uh, complete terminally, uh, uh, they may have to just you know, either do it all over, or that might be the, I doubt it's the end of my life, uh, but this still is something that's, that's uh, researched. And, uh, you know, we're, it's, it's, it's still gonna be on a trial unless there's hundreds of thousands of experiences like that. So far, 15 have been in the United States. Uh, 10 in, at Brigham Women's, Women's Hospital, that's a part of Harvard uh, Medical Center. Now I go to Yale because my surgeon is now at Yale University. He, that same doctor has started a face transplant team at Yale. So uh, all the patients are, are, have consented to go to Yale. I've had discussions with the roundtable team at Yale and I'm going, as a matter of fact, two weeks, three weeks from now, I'll be in Florida, Florida State College, to do a presentation. Mayo Clinic in Florida also, uh, that same weekend, will do another presentation. Uh, so, you know, it's really kind of getting the word out. I mean, I think it's great and it's brilliant that you're educating the masses and we're going to come back actually to some more information people need to know. But something I really want to know is if you could actually send your donor a message, what would you like to say to them? Well, one day, I hope maybe this year, uh, I wasn't ready in the pandemic and all of that the last year. So uh, I, I don't know what I would say. I'd love to be able to give answers. Uh, you know, you ask questions, I'm supposed to answer. But, uh, you know, th there's one thing for you to, for me to feel a certain way, and it's another when God gives you a word uh, or an action or behavior. Uh, so how about just taking it day by day and seeing what God has in store my desire is to meet him, uh, meet his family. And, uh, you know, I hope that not only does it go well, but we'll certainly exchange blessings one to another. But we'll have to see. Excellent. Thank you. So, obviously, we've been talking myths, and I think we've made it very clear already that organ donation is certainly more than internal organs. And through that, Obviously, that means that even if you have a health condition, you have a lot of body um, that you can help others with. So yeah. definitely a thing for everyone to consider. On that note, what is the Robert Chelsea Foundation? Okay. Uh, well, you see what I've experienced or you've heard what I've experienced, uh, knowing that others... Uh, are in every single country, every single part of this world, 
are disabled, uh, have areas where uh, we could help, uh, not just financially, but health, uh, especially their health. If you've got their health, then their self-esteem, they're able to provide for their families, they're able to work uh, within their community. Uh, and so this is my objective is to make sure the word is out. Uh, in other words, bring more awareness. To do that, you have to educate individuals uh, so that they have an understanding of the benefits, uh, the knowledge that's involved, the technology, and hopefully it's an incentive for younger uh, researchers, scientists, and so on, to consider fields of interest that they never would have before. The, because wherever they live, there is someone that's disabled uh, as a result of conditions, elements. And we, uh, the, the way that, that individual is going to be helped is by knowledge, understanding that there is possibilities on having another limb, that there is possibilities on having another face so they can present themselves in a manner that that is acceptable in their society. And so in order to do that, you have to get the word out. And it has to be with some degree of understanding. I, I'm so grateful that this experience wasn't told to me. I read uh, Psalms 23, uh, uh, I walked the valleys of shadows of death. I, I discovered that there is their only shadows. All this, well, if I go in a shadow, I'm like, no, it's just a shadow. And uh, so, could I have said that before? Oh, I can say it now. <laughs> so, how do people find the Robert Chelsea Foundation and find more information about them? Where are they? They can do just what you did, just did. Google that name, Robert Chelsea, and it'll come up. Uh, the foundation will come up. Uh, Robert Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A. Uh, of course, you are familiar with the, the town called Chelsea in, in, uh, in uh, Europe or in uh, uh, the UK uh, or London area. Uh, so they can just, just Google Robert Chelsea or robertchelsea.org. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. And we're going to knock on the doors to, to uh, encourage others because caregiving is also another aspect that is essential. It's not a nice thing to have. It, it, we have to have someone to take care of your meds, your medications, someone to feed you properly, your, you eat what you eat. Your diet is extremely important. And as a result of that, these things, we, we have to care for one another until they can care for themselves. So that's that's our objective, our goal. Uh, I have personal experience behind it, so I know the need. Uh, as a matter of fact, just very quickly, I had a list of about 90-something people to be a potential caregiver when I had my face transplant. Uh, the doctor said, that's way too many people. We cut it down to about 25. Out of those 25, none of them were able to come when I did get the call to go to Boston. <laughs> oh, no way. 
They were ill, uh, out of town, you know, one thing or another. And so we had to reach out to some other friends that we had not really thought of at the time. And the one friend, she took emergency vacation for a week, seven days, to come to Boston and, and be my caregiver. Another friend, uh, these are all in the LA area. Remember, I'm in Boston. Uh, another friend lives in the Orange County area. He came and spent two weeks with me. Another friend in Inglewood, that's where the Lakers used to play and Rams uh, football team. He lives in Inglewood. He's a, respiratory, a retired respiratory therapist with 11 daughters, by the way. He came and spent a week. Uh, uh, Darlene, she, she lives in Long Beach. Uh, California, near Huntington Beach there. She came uh, uh, and, and said, so uh, uh, the, the one, one, one week at a time they came. That, but it was essential. I couldn't go a day without assistance because you are, the recovery, you have to have somebody for at least 90 days, 24 hours a day there for you. you know? And so our caregiving is so important that we have to, our foundation uh, works with resources so that they can have that kind of care uh, as they go through their post-surgical process. You do have some brilliant friends around you, which is really nice. Isn't it wonderful? It is. It is well, really nice to hear. Who would provide or orchestrate that? Do you think that it's because of my good looks? Or because I can dance and sing well? No, I can't do any of those But God knows how to quarterback. He just, so how could I, this kind of experience, let me live as a transplant, as an amputee, as a burn survivor. I'd, I'd rather have this life any day than the 60 years I had before and living, I, I, I was, happy and satisfied and all, nothing to compare to how uh, I uh, am experiencing my life now. Yeah, I just, yeah, I do, I just love your attitude. I, I know I keep saying it, but I'd, I'd love to have a bit more of that in me and, yeah. If, well, if... let's just stay in touch. Let's link up and let's believe and trust. And also, like you said, you'd like to, it only takes a matter of talking with our Heavenly Father. That's, I mean, my God. When, when people approach you and they're really sincere about, don't you, aren't you grateful? Well, how much more is our Heavenly Father? So what would you love, what is your main thing you would love for people to take away from listening to you today? Well, there's a lot of things. Trust God. That. You, you know, he made you just like he made me. So that audience, whoever it is, as long as they're human, trust him. And uh, believe that the future is not just in transplantation, but if God gives you a clear vision, it will turn into discoveries that man has never, I think uh, Queen of Sheba went to, to Solomon 
after sending messages and, and, and giving him tests and so on. And when she finally met him, she uh, began to say, out of all of what I have seen and heard, she said the half has not been told. And so I feel the same way if we, if we put our minds together on caring for others, the half hasn't been told on what you can do for another, uh, for your fellow uh, uh, human uh, uh, neighbor. So this might link back to my question with my magic wand question, but I asked all of our guest speakers this. If you had a magic wand, so it could be anything, and you could change the world in a way to make it a better place, what would you love to change? The hearts of man. In what way? In the garden, he was in pleasant, he was God's delight. How much more would it be for that for mankind to be one another's delight? And part of that, of course, can be supporting other human beings with being on a donor register. And I know you've given me a lot of links that I can share with the episode, which I absolutely will do. I will share a link to the Robert Chelsea Foundation as well. But on that point, for people who want to find you, where can they find you? I, I live in the USA, uh, in, near the Los Angeles area, and they can call me, of course, uh, 951-347-3499, or that's, uh, of course, that's in, in the U.S., so I guess that's cold one. But the, the, if they Google me, Robert Chelsea, I think they'll be able to, from that point on, and I have a GoFundMe. Uh, obviously, it becomes extremely expensive. Uh, medicines and things like that. We do have a GoFundMe. That would be a very big help. But, you know, I would like to leave you with uh, just a thought that I, I personally experienced, and I think it's important for every person to hear. Um, when I was in the hospital during that year and a half, uh, you're right, I had no pain. And uh, another wonderful experience. And even from my face transplant, no pain, not at all. I wasn't wrapped around or anything like that. Uh, we came out the hospital with the face, I mean, out the ICU with face, no pain. Uh, they give you a Tylenol 3 before they start putting things in you just to make sure. But that was all. And I, I never asked for pain medicine or anything like that. But remember, I did not have any lips, nothing. To, and I asked God, well, I know you want me to share your word. Uh, but you not only let my lips be burned completely off, you see my, hear my voice is muffled. My tongue, part of my tongue was cut off. I can't smile. This is my smile. My cheeks just won't, you know. <laughs> so how do you want me, do you really want me to just share your word? And if so, how's this going to get done? And he gave me 
normally you don't hear him, you know, he doesn't talk to you every day, you know, I'm sitting on his shoulder. But quickly, he gave me one word. And that word was kindness. <laughs> so if I could leave any thoughts, I realized, you know, people will say, oh, well, you're already kind, you know. No, no, no. That's nowhere close to what he means as kindness. That includes forgiveness. That includes forbearing one another. You bear me and I'll bear you until God kills the bear out of both of us. So it includes so much more to increase in kindness. And it overshadows any barriers that that we can uh, conjure up. So if I did want to leave another word, uh, that's the word I would leave. Well, thank you so much for that. And thank you for being so open and for sharing your experiences with us. And for obviously also spreading the word to get people to understand more about organ donation, uh, what it means to be a donor and how many people they can actually save. Because that's was it 70 people from one human being? Yes, over. over yeah, over. That, that's wonderful. So just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I mean, obviously, you know, we're now connected, which is always a pleasure. Um, yes, yeah, so just thank you very much for today. Oh, thank you, Jody. How sweet you have been. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners. I, I don't doubt that you're going to be as amazed by Robert's experiences, stories, attitude and everything else um, that you've heard today. So, yeah, absolutely. If there's anything you want to know or if you've got questions, please get in touch. I will yeah. be sharing the links with the episode. And um, as you can tell, Robert's very much an open book. And I always love to hear from you. So thank you very much. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Please rate us and leave us a review. We really want to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the amazing guest speakers we have lined up.